0: Welcome back to Top 5 Disco. I'm Josh. And I'm Adam. And we're doing something a little different today. Not only are we in a different studio, studio being Adam's apartment in Brooklyn instead of mine, but a different show altogether. Uh, For our fans and devoted returning listeners, welcome back. If you're new to the podcast, though, usually my brother Adam and I here will pick an artist to deep dive, and we'll do an entire series just on that artist, breaking down their entire discography, album by album, song by song, ranking our top five songs per album, and discussing discussing each song in depth. Today, though we're doing, instead of a breakdown of a particular artist, we're going to do a little retrospective of the year 2018 in music before coming out with our next artist series. Uh, So today, we're going to do a few different lists. We're going to rank and discuss each of our top five favorite concerts of the year, our top five favorite songs of the year, and our top five favorite albums of the year. With the caveat that we basically chose our top five favorite songs of the year that are not on our top five favorite
1: albums of the year. Just the idea of uh, talking about more music and more songs that we love. I'm curious how many albums you listen to this year. That new album, new albums. Uh, I compared probably to listen past years. to
0: similar to past years, about a hundred. A hundred. Usually wow. that's where, <laughs> and I'm at thirteen. Yeah, that's usually where my listening uh, grab uh, ends up at about a hundred albums a year, which okay. is, which is a ton. And it's so funny. It seems like a lot. Any person i talk to they're like what is your problem how can you do that and yet every year i also am obsessed with the year-end lists clearly we're going to do our own here right and i always like literally write down every single year end list and calculate it and tabulate it there are hundreds maybe a thousand albums on that list that i've never even heard of let alone listened to it's insane how much music there is out there so we're not even you know scratching, scratching the, the tip surface. of the i I was going to say the scratching the tip of the iceberg, but I think you're right scratching <laughs> the surface of how many how much how many albums came out this year. But we're going to talk about our favorites because this is our show. So yes. let's start off um, doing our top five favorite concerts of the year. So this doesn't have to necessarily be an artist that released a new album this year, though I imagine many of them will be. Um, as another um, warning to the audience, or warning's not the word, but for our top five songs and favorite albums, Adam and I actually exchanged our lists beforehand just so we knew what each other were listening to so that we could listen to the others' picks and sort of right. have enough to say, see our, you know, what we think about the others. But the concerts list, we didn't talk about at all. So this will be a total surprise for us. Um, we saw a lot of shows together this year. I wonder, or maybe not a lot, but, but a bunch. Yeah, no. Um, so I wonder if any of those will, will make it up on our lists. I have a um, feeling, well for me yeah i I also have a lot of honorable mentions it sounds like you do too but before that let's just rank back and forth our
1: top five favorite concerts of 2018 and before this yeah i also am curious how many concerts music concerts have you seen this year i've seen 42 shows this year wow i actually thought it was was more? more are you sure it's only 42 yeah I'm at 29. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's wow. you were going to be like 75.
0: No, I mean, you know what's funny is this is by far... So this is one thing I didn't say. This is by far the most shows I've ever been to in a year. What? Yeah. You think I'm... Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> now I'm sad. Maybe. <laughs> well, 2019, I'll hit 50. I, I have one more show coming up at the end of the year. Um the lone bellow the 29th but besides that this is it so it'll be 43 concerts by the end of the year which is is pretty damn good that is very good compared to the average yeah and you said 29 that's great i didn't listen to that many too okay so you have a lot to choose from yeah okay so our top five favorite concerts of 2018 so, mine number five is Nine Inch Nails at Radio City Music Hall in awesome. October. Awesome!
1: I remember you you told me yeah, when we out. got together actually to re- edit one podcast episode. You were like, "That was an insane show." Yeah. Yeah. Um, number five for me is Smashing Pumpkins. Awesome. at Royal Farms Arena. Oh, that's great! In July. That's great. That I went to with Josh yes. and uh, and Andy, who was actually a guest podcast. on right. uh, the Motion City Soundtrack podcast. That's right. My number four pick uh, is seeing Anais Mitchell at Rockwood Music Hall just last month in November. My number four is seeing Anais uh, Mitchell no at the Rubin Museum of Art oh, that's in awesome. March. That is awesome.
0: My number three favorite concert of the year was seeing Wild
1: Beasts at the Eventum Apollo in London. Mm, that was earlier this year, this right? February. Okay, I remember. Yeah. I, I thought it was last year. Um, my number three... I don't know if we. I, I, never mind. We did talk about this. Um, Dirty projectors, oh, which wow. I saw at elsewhere. Uh, the hall, the main recently. stage. Yeah, that was uh, that was not even a month ago. That's a um, in November. My number two
0: favorite concert was seeing Mount Erie at the Knockdown Center in Queens.
1: Wow, I've been there before, only once. I don't know Mount Erie at we'll all. Talk about it. Okay.
0: I think I may have showed you a little bit,
1: but okay. Um, my number two concert was seeing Pine Grove at Music hall of Williamsburg in oh, November I think I know you're number one yes uh that's awesome great show My number one
0: concert of the year was seeing you two at the Apollo theater in Harlem
1: oh yeah wow uh, yeah you have so many it's just, from. the amount of uh honorable mentions that I have yeah I was going to say i'm kind of we'll get to them I'm yeah. um, um, I can't even find the word. Uh, My number one concert that I saw this year with you, Josh, standing by my side, was Radiohead at Madison Square Garden on July 11th. I will never forget that night. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah.
0: So before we go in a little more in-depth of each of those, let's talk about some honorable mentions. So first, I'll just say, absolutely, Radiohead and Pine Grove were two of my big honorable mentions. Um, It was just—it's hard. Like, how do you rank your top five concerts? Like, Radiohead— I've been waiting to see my entire life yeah, and it was amazing. I know we'll talk about a little bit more, why I didn't make my list later, okay? but, um, and Pine Grove just puts on an unbelievable show. I unbelievable. Know. Um, other, a uh, few other honorable mentions that I'll mention. Um, I saw Frightened Rabbit earlier this year in March and obviously I didn't know at the time that it'd be the last Frightened Rabbit show I'd ever see because uh, the lead singer took his own life a few months later. Um, but, but, not looking back with rose colored shades or whatever the expression was it was an Mm -hmm. incredible show they played the entire midnight organ fight album front to back and then an unbelievable amount of other songs and it was just unbelievable that was at bowery ballroom similarly or or related just uh, last week there was a benefit concert honoring scott hutchison of frightened rabbit that i saw at rough trade where julian baker ben Gibbard of death cab for cutie uh, Craig Finn of The Hold Steady, Aaron Dessner of The National, they, uh, Kevin Divine—they all came and played frightened rabbit songs. Oh my god! It was, I
1: heard that Julian covered Woodpile. She covered Woodpile and she covered Holy, which made me cry. Woodpile is the only frightened rabbit. Song okay, right now. <laughs> but but she made me cry. I was
0: watching. I mean, mm. it was a very emotional show. Okay. Other uh, quick honorable mentions. I saw Run the Jewels open for Lord, oh, which yeah, is I remember. the funny. Okay, Lord had Mitski and Run the Jewels open for her on her arena tour. It was the That's weirdest. That's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, Lord was good, but Run the Jewels were great, yeah. and they were just unbelievable. Had you seen them before? Um, I'd seen them a little. Uh, Sort of, I saw them at a music festival in Boston, but the sound was terrible. Okay. I forgot to say, Smashing Pumpkins were also on my honorable mention list. Yeah. Um, and then, quickly, anything that Jeff Rosenstock touches is my favorite show of the year. So I have to give honorable mention to his show at Warsaw that mm-hmm. the two of us saw together. And seeing him with his other band at Dartago Vespucci down in Asbury Park um, was amazing. Seeing the Twilight Sad at Elsewhere, Los Campesinos at Elsewhere, those were two of my favorite shows. Nico Case, seeing her debut new material. At Littlefield, and then Jake Shears coming out on his own out of the Scissor Sisters at Brooklyn Steel was like an unbelievable show. But I forgot no one, went to that. No one in the audience was dancing, which was kind of a crime. Were you? Of course, yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, I, I ran through a lot, but those were my honorable mentions. Okay, some of my honorable mentions. Uh, I saw Parquet Courts uh, oh, on so the Liberty Bell, which was a cruise. It was on a boat. They were doing this. Uh, air land and sea right. sort of tour or maybe it was just a three it was three shows yeah, yeah okay um and from a lot of standpoints i only like i got into their new album from this year i think in anticipation of this show i knew this show was coming up i knew a bunch of my friends were gonna go and i really got into the album and and uh, we'll talk about that um later on in the podcast but it was a combination of it was just awesome to be seeing a band on a cruise i don't know like you you weren't motion
0: sick do you get like me
1: i think i took a A dramamine Dramamine pill or something um so that was just awesome as like a an actual experience of seeing a concert on a boat uh and also they were just incredibly tight and i remember talking to uh, our family friend dave cohen about that show and he was like i don't even remember if he said he saw them a couple times but he said the first time he saw them they were just extremely sloppy really? not good and i don't remember if he said the second time they were good or if he was just shocked that i had the experience <laughs> i had where i thought they were great it's crazy that i haven't
0: seen them live considering we you know i live in and around new york city and they're from here yeah
1: and they play so many shows i just have never um oh, jealous yeah that, it was very cool it was it was yeah. a really cool and experience the new album is really good too um interpol uh, mm. at House of Vans uh, from multiple standpoints. I can't, this was the last show House of Vans ever put on. Uh, so I was at the last one at the end. They were sort is of giving away a bunch too? of, it's, it's open bar. I think every time they do it, which is awesome. Um, and it's such a, an intimate uh, venue and experience. And to see Interpol up on like on the big stage a new, new york, york like, band too. yeah exactly you know they were they were back home just like i don't even know how many like 10 feet away it was really it was an awesome experience um and to sort of be there to close down the house of vans uh, concert series that's so At, cool the show as a whole was it was good i didn't love the set list maybe but a lot of also, stuff Yeah, but also, I mean, Interpol, I know their first two albums very well, and I know their most recent album well, because I listened to it this year. And everything in between is kind of a mishmash. There's a bunch that I don't know. Um so, like, as a show show, a musical experience, it wasn't the most amazing thing ever. But, but it was I, special. Yeah, it was very special from a lot of standpoints. Um, and then just very quickly, Courtney Barnett, who I saw at Music mm-hmm. Hall of Williamsburg. First time I ever saw her. She puts on a great concert. I need to see her. Really great. She's just such a fucking rocker. It's yeah. It's awesome. And she's so tight. Um, when she
0: first started coming to the States and playing shows, all these music critics were comparing her to Kurt Cobain. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And, like, you can actually even see, see it. it you like, can Nirvana. see it on stage. I mean, she's got like her yeah. hair sort of in right, front of her right, eyes.
1: Right. Um, Phoebe Bridgers at Music Hall of Williamsburg. I saw her in February. That was also a that's really... That's separate from the Boy Genius show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, that was a really special show. I really got into that album um, at the start of this year. It came out last year. Yeah. Um, And it's just, I mean, her whole setup on stage, she's got sort of like these twinkle lights, you know, up her microphone stand and around the drum set. (laughs) And it's like, it creates a really nice vibe and ambiance. And she just sounded perfect. Um, I've talked to my friend Brenna about this. You know, she... She wants to go to a show and see something different than what's on record. She wants to see it brought to life a little bit more. And I absolutely respect that. I know other people who feel that way. But like Phoebe, I don't think she changed necessarily that much from record to the live experience. But it was just so spot on. That, to me, is its own... Impressive. Yeah. Just to have a vocal performance that's as good as the studio. Yeah, a vocal and instrumental. Um, it was It was did great. Did she have a band or was it just yeah, her? No, she, she did. And her band is, is extremely tight. I've seen her three times this year in different uh in different settings um but also that was the first time I saw soccer mommy actually the only time I saw her she so opened she up. opened she oh. opened up for Phoebe Bridgers and I didn't even know her album uh at that point which I got into this year um and that was also an experience where and I don't usually have this but openers when I don't know their music and I'm like wow this is cool I'm I actually doing these songs so so from opener to headliner that was just a really great experience um, and speaking of Boy Genius, um, when I saw Boy Genius, which I don't even know if their name is Boy Genius it's or both. the EP that they I put out both. is Boy the Genius. it's the project itself. So it's pretty much a super group of uh, Phoebe Bridgers, um, Julian Baker, and Lucy Dacus. Uh, and so I listened to that EP this year uh, as well. And the show itself was very very long, long. because <laughs> i mean, i, I assumed go, i didn't know what it was going to be going into it i thought that it would be the three of them playing the entire ep which is six songs maybe playing uh sort of different versions of their individual songs like some julian with songs, each other right and maybe some covers because i mean just with that to fill harmony yeah. they could have yeah, yeah right. but it was a 30 minute lucy dacus set and then, like, an hour-long Phoebe set. And then maybe an hour and, I don't know, 15 minutes Julian set. And then they all got together. So to they were the, the encore, the basically. Yeah. So That's the three it. of them, yeah. So I was getting kind of frustrated towards the end and towards the end of Julian because, I mean, we don't need to have a debate right now about <laughs> Julian Baker. Um, it just... it. It was getting pretty monotonous and my feet were hurting a lot yeah. and so i almost left but i mean i couldn't leave before what i the came you there were going to for see it, yeah. and when they all got on stage i had such a big smile on my face oh. it was so awesome to, to see all of them together to hear the ep being played they were clearly very good friends just enjoying being up there i think you even texted me you were sort of watching a, a snippet yeah they were streaming it live on pitchfork yeah, yeah. um so that, that was special, uh, but there was also other stuff in that concert that was sort of irking me, so I couldn't put that on my list. <laughs> and then lastly, uh, Jeff Tweedy, when we saw Jeff Ooh, Tweedy yes, at the MacArthur, MacArthur Theater. Um, where is that? In Princeton. In Princeton, okay. New Jersey. Um, it was on the
0: campus of Princeton, actually.
1: That was really nice. I, I only know a few Wilco albums really well. They're a band that I don't know why I haven't just gone through all of their music uh, because I love everything I know by okay. them. And so i didn't know more than half the songs that he was playing it was just him uh solo but it was really it was awesome and all the he, song
0: and he was so funny and interesting yeah, he was yeah. just a
1: great yes uh,
0: live performer mc i mean songwriter yeah. clearly guitar player yeah that was a great show yeah i love that yeah all right let's get back into our top five so i'll start with my number five nine inch nails at radio city music hall in midtown manhattan Okay, for those who don't know, 90s Nails <laughs> are uh, a Cleveland band. They've been around for 8 uh, I to say 80 years, 30 years. Um they're pretty well known for their melding of electronic industrial metal, hard rock, alternative, I mean all this stuff. They're a very plastic band. I mean in the sense that they um what am i trying to say i don't know you tell me they're elastic <laughs> not plastic they 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 <laughs> genre hop all the time they have incredible music so but is nine inch nails just trent Reznor? i think at this point he considers it trent Reznor and atticus ross who's okay. his partner in crime and they do all the movie scores together but that stuff they just call trent Reznor and atticus ross not nine inch nails hmm. so i'm not exactly sure but he the, was
1: there at the show yeah okay yeah
0: he was Um, but anyway Nine Inch Nails is a band I've always really liked but I've never loved I've never been a huge fan like I know a handful of their albums but I don't know every album I don't know every song they've released three EPs in the last couple years I didn't know them at all Mm -hmm. Um, I left this show and I I think you mentioned it earlier I left this show thinking this is one of the best concerts I've ever been to in my life that was how good to see a show of a band that you like but don't love also Radio City is not a very intimate venue, and usually I look for those really intimate performances. Actually, you know what's funny is a lot of this, the concerts on my list were a little bigger than I'm used to, even though usually I look for more intimate shows. But anyway... Oh, that's true. Because Radio City is six, 6,000 well. people at Radio right. City. Um, but it's, it's a seated venue. where people standing? Oh, yeah. We were are okay. standing the whole time? So a little background, though, on this concert. This was a new thing for Nine Inch Nails, and I'm just going to sort of read his little statement. Okay. Um, basically they decided not to do any online ticket sales for this tour. And so uh, his little post read, the promise of a world made better by computers and online connectivity has failed us in many ways, particularly when it comes to ticketing. Everything about the process sucks and everyone loses except the reseller. We've decided to try something different that will also likely suck, but in a different way. We're hoping many of you will be happy with the results while some may do what they always do and bitch about it you may actually encounter another actual human being with similar interests likely wearing all black clothing during the process and potentially interact with them the experience has potential to be enjoyable so i read that and i was like this is the coolest thing ever i'm all about i mean i'm very connected but i also love the concept of you know physicality physicality being there not having to deal with the internet um i take it all back it was waiting in line for these tickets was the worst was one of the worst things how long was that? i waited in the freezing cold rain since 6 a.m for eight hours eight hours i mean you basically you're there for three hours and then you're but like look at the payoff well that's what i was getting to <laughs> was that like how could this be worth it because these tickets also weren't cheap and it was so miserable yes we made friends online i went with uh jake and my friend sean too jake bailed because it was just miserable oh no i mean i still got him a ticket okay good asshole but <laughs> i love you jake um anyway got the tickets uh i did what i usually don't do for shows which i did a little peeking of their set lists mm-hmm. of earlier shows because again i didn't know this band that well and i was a little scared because they were playing a lot of new stuff i didn't know they barely play anything from like my favorite album by them the fragile the one yeah. i wrote really well was got me into nine inch nails um the concert starts, and he plays the first song on The Fragile, Somewhat Damaged, and I'm freaking out. And then he plays The Day the Whole World Went Away, the second song. Then he plays the third song. And I'm just like, they're going to play the entirety of The Fragile right now, and I'm not ready for it. Um, they didn't. They played only four songs. They eventually played six songs from the album, but it was incredible. Every song was just amazing. They played songs from Year Zero to closer i mean their their big Uh, hit was so sexy it was just the lighting was incredible the band would switch from heavy metal to super electronic to ambient to
1: the sex funk i mean they were just so good is trent Reznor on like the guitar is he just like on he's mostly stuff he's mostly just singing actually really yeah he's got a whole band there's a whole band behind him
0: um, oh man! They also played an amazing cover of a David Bowie song that I love from his from David Bowie's last album. Basically, his last album. If you don't know, he's basically talking about his mortality because he knew he was dying. Yeah. And the last song ever, uh, "I Can't Give Everything Away," and he did this amazing cover. Of, oh my god, it was amazing. Anyway, the show was unbelievable. Full disclosure, I was under the influence a little bit, and I mm-hmm. hope that didn't make it. So that was on the reason why it's on my list. Um. I was just so in love with this band and the experience and the lighting and music and it was just it was incredible. So have
1: you since gone back to all the albums that you didn't know? Uh, not yet, not yet. But that'll come up in 2018. Sure I've been a little busy. A lot but of listening but, to but yes, for... I mean, I put the Fragile on yeah. like, the
0: day after and I was like, God, this mm. album is
1: amazing. Yeah, that's anyway, awesome. That's great. So my number five top live show of 2018 was Smashing Pumpkins at Royal Farms Arena. <laughs> Yeah, I for all the concerts I've seen in my life, and this is not the main reason that this is on my list, but I have rarely seen a band play for three hours. Oh, my God. And I I couldn't believe that they did that, that he did that, that it was just, it was such a great set list. He played from so many eras of Smashing Pumpkins. I I don't know why I'm saying just he. It was, and this is another special thing. It was the reunion. Yeah, it was uh, James Iha, was also back on guitar, which I never thought would happen. Would love, would have loved to see Darcy, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and Jimmy uh, Chamberlain on the drums, who's one of my favorite drummers. Yeah, of all he's time. incredible. Uh, it was just such a great performance. Also for seeing it in an arena like that. I mean, you and I were sort of talking about it after the show. There were people sort of like throwing out, what "Was it just beer, cracker jacks?" Well, I don't yeah, know. It, it was seemed like it like was a baseball game. game. Exactly. Like, yeah, get your beer here. Yeah, yeah right. Um... But for even being kind of far away, like the sound I thought was great and and uh, it was visible and- He was having a great time. They yeah, just were, he just they seemed were just, to be, yeah. and he's, you in know, he, he can be a, a crotchety yes. motherfucker. So um, I don't
0: mean to take over your pick. Please but, do though. <laughs> but Andy, we talked about earlier and a friend of mine, a friend of ours, friend of the podcast, um, Andy and I saw Smashing Pumpkins 10 years ago. I think it was 2008 and mm-hmm. Mohegan's Sun- and to uh, this yeah. day I tell people it's the worst show I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And it's because he was so angry. He was he was berating the audience in the sh- in between songs, going on these obnoxious rants. People were booing and leaving during yeah. the show. They were do- in their heavy heavy metal psychedelic phase where he'd play 35-minute long songs no one cares about or Pink Floyd covers. It was miserable. So this show the two of us went Redemption. to join him down in Baltimore. Uh, as a redemption show and it was so good it was they, so good they did play basically all the hits from every every album but they also peppered some it, peppered it in with like Selena of the vast oceans for martha to, Sheila, to for Sheila, martha i know oh man i mean it was they, so special
1: it was incredible but, they, but it was also like a spectacle i mean so he did i mean he's, he did this at the last show we saw of his uh of theirs sorry at uh, a beacon, beacon theater um what's the david bowie song uh, a space oddity. Thank you. But he like put on this cape yeah, and whatever. It was, it, was, it was like he really, it was kind of ridiculous. Oh, also, the things that I didn't like about this show remember that Mark McGuire? Oh, with, my God, that, from not Sh- Mark McGuire. That Mark, McGrath. Mark McGrath. Mark <laughs> McGrath. Mark McGuire, the baseball player. Not the
0: player. baseball player. From Sugar Ray is like his new best friend and has all these weird videos that they're insert- It was
1: so awkward. It was kind of weird. But I mean,. Oh, and like for Tashila, he was like up on a piano that was sort of like raised up high. It was there a were, spectacle. It was very theatrical. And it was all, like there were all these uh, sort of photos and montages of like him as a kid when he was younger. It was it was actually really, it was cool. But it, just from the musical standpoint, it was amazing. When they played Everlasting Gaze oh. and Jimmy on the drums, it was just, oh my God, it was mind-blowing. It was so good. For a band that I love so much, it was a great set list, which I don't usually get at shows. We, I usually come usually, away walk away I know feeling
0: disappointed by sets but this they were really doing like you said an all
1: encompassing yeah.
0: they basically did all the Smashing Pumpkin stuff with the original lineup yeah. so they didn't do anything post they didn't even include any Zeitgeist actually even though Jimmy was part of that so Fair they didn't enough. do Tarantula or Doomsday Clock but
1: whatever it was, and, it was great and he Billy was so on he sounded so good was he was rocking you know even when he was like playing guitar he's just oh such God, a I just great forgot instrumentalist forgot that they did Rhinoceros and Drown Mayonnaise oh man, oh, man
0: oh <laughs> so good it was great yeah. great show great show my number four pick for my favorite concerts of the year was seeing Anais Mitchell uh, just this last November at the Rockwood Music Hall on the
1: Lower East Side and my number four was seeing Anais Mitchell at the Rubin Museum of Art come out come on come outside don't
2: you hide your handsome face from me I wanna see you half lit in the half
0: So for those who don't know, Anais Mitchell is this folky singer-songwriter from Vermont. Uh, this is probably my fourth time seeing her. Maybe you the same? Third or fourth? I think
1: my third time seeing her.
0: Um, Again, we both did this together, because, but these were different shows, yeah. but we both picked our our Anais Mitchell show. Um, This, to me, was the best show I've ever seen of hers. Did you feel the
1: same? Uh, maybe, because you and I saw her at Rubin Museum of Art as well last year, I Or 2016. Think, maybe in yeah. 2016 um i don't know i had to put this on here because i can't i can't even say every time i i saw her it's been amazing because the first time i saw her it was at rockwood with you i forgot which stage it was but it was such a short concert she barely played any of her own songs it was like a lot of covers and i think it was also one of those things where like there was a drink minimum so i was just kind of crotchety yeah (laughs) but the last two uh shows i saw of hers she just does not disappoint there the way i picked uh it's actually, I think it just kind of worked out this way in terms of my top five live shows. These are shows when I don't want it to end. Mm. There are a bunch of shows, even if I love the band. I'm the same way where I'm like, I'm just like, I'm, I'm kind of I'm tired and like maybe We're whatever the old. set list is kind of fine. I don't know. Yeah, I just kind of want it to end. These ones, I don't want to end. Anais, I could watch her forever. And in general, she seems to play like shorter shows. Yeah, she does. Um, she also plays at weird venues. Yeah. The, the four
0: sh- uh, the three the four shows I've seen of her were Rockwood twice, mm-hmm. the Rubin Museum, and at Three's Brewery in oh, Brooklyn.
1: Like, wait, that's where we saw Bukkake. Yes, Is that it was like the same stage. Same stage. That's yeah. amazing. um So she plays weird venues in New York, the small ones too. Yeah. I wish I don't. I wish she was bigger. I mean, she's incredible. I love well, her. You and I have talked multiple times. Like we want to do a podcast on her so badly. I want to introduce her to everyone. She's she really She doesn't incredible. have five albums out she yet. She technically does. Her first one's self mm-hmm. self released. I don't an know awful... if well her fifth one is like a compilation,
0: right? Or is an album of covers? You're right. It's a little yeah. complicated. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll start. Yes, yeah man. go ahead um I missed so Adam was I missed the show that Adam was talking about at the Rube Museum, and I was devastated. I mean, I think I chose not to go, but I regretted it immediately after I didn't go um equally devastating was finding out that she was playing Rockwood Music Hall again, but by the time I heard about it, it was totally sold out, so I just was like, well, there's another show I'm not gonna see then a friend and friend of the podcast Sandy, a fellow fan who lives in California she Bought a ticket because she loves Anais so much, just in case she was in New York That's at the time, awesome. which is crazy. Smart. yeah, it's smart, and it shows her fandom. She wasn't able to go. She offered me the ticket. I don't know how I'll ever repay her because this show was was unbelievable. I mean, there was this was a different stage than the one we saw it mm-hmm. uh, saw her at Rockwood in 2016 or something. Um, it was less than a hundred people there. Yeah, but it was a smaller stage, super intimate. Um, I was a couple feet from the stage. I couldn't focus during the opener because Aeneas was standing right next to me uh-huh. the entire show. And I like looked at her and smiled. I don't know, it was stupid. <laughs> um, anyway, when Aeneas was on, she played every song with another guitarist. His name is Austin. I forgot his last name. Do you know what he looked like? He looked like a guy. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> okay, fair enough. He, he enhanced every song because his guitar work was so yeah. beautiful. It's as if Aeneas was playing the acoustic and strumming, and she was doing finger picking too, mm-hmm. but he was just... Littering every song with beautiful guitar work and soloing, and oh my god! Yeah,
1: she always
0: she finds just
1: the perfect people they, to. The two of them together were
0: incredible, and the set list was incredible. They opened with "Out of Pawn," which has become one of mm-hmm. my new favorites, uh, and Taylor has always been a favorite of mine. That was the second song. It Just kept getting better and better. They played "Wedding Song" from Hades Town, yeah, which she I never that at hear. The, at the show I saw. Oh, that's awesome! And I think I mentioned this to you before, but toward the end of the set, she played "Changer." -hmm. Your Fonder Heart and Shepherd, all back to back, which, by the way, are Sandy's, mine, and your favorite songs by her back to back. That's amazing. I mean, those lists could change, but it was just very special. Oh by the way, she actually hit the high note on your fonder
1: heart this time. Yeah. She does oh, she it like it a one time. time. She like she she yeah, she makes it low for most of it and then she gets the For that me, high she did note. it every time.
0: So oh. it was yeah, it was really special. She just is also an incredible stage presence. Oh. So much charisma, yes. humor, humility, gratitude. Yes. She played the whole so uh, the whole show sick. She really? was sick on stage. Did she sound it? No. But she literally was taking shots of Robitussin and like cheersing the audience <laughs> during amazing. the show. She, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say what was also really cool, which we haven't said yet. Um, you just said you we, we feel like more people should know her. I think she's on the cusp because we'll mention this maybe in a future podcast where we talk about her, but she wrote an entire folk, folk rock opera, Hades Town, about yeah. the Orpheus and Eurydice, or Persephone, yes. and no, the, whole thing, right. the whole thing. It's coming to Broadway. Right. I mean, that's she's amazing. the next Sarah Borellis, if you will, where she wrote the whole show. I don't know if she'll star in it. But basically that news had come out either that morning or the day before. So it was a big celebration. She oh, was like, that's, that's everyone awesome. was so proud of her. That's she so was cool. giddy. I mean, I yeah, I nerdily talked to her about it afterwards and didn't know what I was saying. She seemed but, excited. Oh yeah. She's thrilled. That's awesome. I mean, she's
1: been working on this for almost ten years. Yeah. So anyway, your show at the Rubin Museum. Well, just in general, she is Absolutely incredible. She sounds just as good, if not better, live than on record. And her voice control oh, is man. insane. Her, her guitar work. She's there are it's effortless the way she plays guitar. There are few artists. Maybe this is not true. <laughs> there, I so appreciate an artist where I don't have to worry for them. I'm not nervous worry that they're going to make a mistake. Yeah, they're like I put. I trust them so much because they are just so on. Like there there are a lot of bands where like it's not even that not even trust, I guess. It's like I just kind of know Sometimes that. Sometimes you're waiting for a mistake, well, maybe yeah, they're just a little more sloppy. Maybe that's part of the sound, or I know that on record, you know, you can clean that up. But Aeneas is just perfect. It, she's just so good. And the set list was great. And what I loved so much was that so the guitar I don't know who it was, but the guitar player that she was playing with they were working on an album together. Again, I don't think this was going to be an Aeneas album. I don't know what it was going to be, but it was going to be some sort of duet album. She played at least one song, maybe two, from that, and it was amazing. Oh, and then wow. she played a song that she wrote for a friend of hers to sing, and it was amazing. And I'm just like, anything she does is gold. It was crazy. like All these songs that I didn't even know, I just like fell in love with, and I couldn't even access them because they weren't recorded yet. And She hasn't had... A studio album of original material in over six years now
0: yeah almost six years yeah i mean hopefully it's coming i mean she's been working a lot in hadestown i guess
1: hopefully it was uh yeah i went with uh with my dear friend jake um who also i think i i got him into Aeneas. Um, did you get him into Anais before the show or yes for the, it the, was yeah. actually i think i showed him her tiny desk concert oh uh, that's her, a great but it was specifically her her shepherd version yes because yeah. everyone I love that show. if you don't know Anais or, mitchell that, yeah the best song. thing you can
0: do right now besides seeing her live and listening to her albums is checking out the tiny desk performance
1: on yeah. youtube or something it's it's like crazy chills throughout mm. all of her her performances amazing amazing show
0: Okay, my number three favorite concert of 2018 was seeing Wild Beasts at the Aventum Apollo in Hammersmith, London. Oh, Wild Beasts are just one of my absolute favorite modern bands. They're very modern. I mean, their first album was like an 08. They've only had five records. Um, Over the past five to ten years, I've been obsessed with these sort of artsy, weirdo pop bands from England, like Everything, Everything, Dutch Uncles, Field Music, Mm -hmm. and Wild Beasts. So September of 2017, last year, they announced their breakup, and it was devastating. I mean, they're such a young band, and they were so good. They say why? Uh, I think, no, I don't remember. Maybe just working on different projects all separately. I'd only seen them one time before this, actually at Baby's All Right in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. They were great, but the crowd was lame, just like the Jake Shears concert. It was almost like they didn't really know the music. Maybe they had heard the band. I was... Just like Jake Shears, I was dancing my ass off listening to this music, and, and it's just such a good mood. They were so good. But the audience was a disappointment, because I feel like nobody around me was as into it. That's always a little frustrating. We don't talk about that. Like, the audience can play a part in how good For a show sure. is. Not just talking about respect, too. but yeah. Honestly. In terms... Like, you, know, you want to oh, yeah.
1: feed off of a, yeah. an audience that's into it. So, anyway, the end
0: of the story is when they announce their, br- their breakup without thinking... I just immediately bought tickets to their final show ever in London. Without having tickets. Without having tickets to London, without clearing it with my work, what have you. Luckily, it all worked out. I ended up making a nice UK trip out of it with a girlfriend. But anyway, back to the show. This was their last show ever, and I was in London to see this British band. It It was amazing. They played 24 songs, distributed almost evenly across all five albums, and it was just so clear how much people loved them, which I didn't feel at the Brooklyn show. They're a British band. They're much bigger there. And to just be, I mean, Baby's All Right is like less than 300 300 people. Yeah. And the Eventum Apollo, I think is 5,000. I mean, it was a much bigger show. I was was on the floor and I was close, but Mm -hmm. it was just crazy difference to go across the pond and see this fervor of fandom. I mean, it was the last show ever.
1: That's insane. Um,
0: Anyway, the only other other thing I'll say is that they ended their encore... Maybe predictably, but still one of my absolute favorite songs by them is called End Come Too Soon. Mm-hmm. And that's how they ended the show, just with Hayden Thorpe, the lead singer on the piano. Then the band came in. It was gorgeous. It's a beautiful, long, meditative, sexy song. And then all of a sudden, at the climax, the curtain raises, and there's this huge choir in robes behind them. It was cinematic, and it was emotional. And all the guys came out and like hugged each other for a long time in front of the stage afterwards it was it was just beautiful and i'm so happy that i took that risk yes and flew there i mean i'm lucky that i was able to do it
1: for a lot of reasons and i'm so happy that i did it was an amazing show that's incredible and that is beautiful i only know their song pregnant pause i love that song. that that you sent to me at one point which is which is a good song i don't i don't really know them that well but that's that's very uh that's very special yeah they're so special so my number three top live show of 2018 was dirty projectors at elsewhere
2: and I'm going
1: So this was a last minute purchase. A friend of mine from LA uh, came in and I wanted to see her and she was like, Oh, I'm seeing dirty projectors uh, on Tuesday. You want to come? And I'm like, sure. Or maybe it was Monday. Um, (laughs) and so I went to it and I, I knew like four or five songs of theirs and they were good. It was kind of like kooky music. Um, never really thought, I don't know twice about them, I guess. Um, they had that big album in 2009 so almost 10 years ago yeah they
0: were at the height of their popularity along with like phoenix and animal collective
1: right stillness in the move was like a big indie underground hit, exactly um and the show just blew me away this was unfortunately thankfully it did not really uh make this show um, a bummer, but I had to pee so bad the entire time. And we got so close to the front of the stage. There was no way. I know, exactly. No, I know. I was talking last podcast about peeing during the Brandy show. Um, Thankfully, I held on for the entire concert. And it was an incredible concert. They are sick live they are so I have good i've never seen them and their music is so crazy all over the place jazzy the female three-part harmonies which is like their signature are just so good and you know you and i um got into this band ohm uh O-H-M-M-E. right who we actually saw open up for jeff Tweedy this year and open up for iron and Wine. well that's how we uh discovered them that was sort of when i was talking about soccer mommy at phoebe bridgers om was something where josh and i looked at each other during iron and wine and we're like what is this this is insane yeah. but they had a song that was like a ah, oh, oh, ah, oh, oh, where we're like the two females were sort of uh going uh one and then the other and back and forth and should we try it uh, sure. One, two, ready, go. Ah, uh, uh, oh, uh, oh. No. Okay. <laughs> we tried. Um, you get the point. So, but Dirty Projectors, I mean, that's like their thing, especially with the uh, the female singers. But aside from that, just like it's so like jazzy in terms of their orchestrations. It's very just like angular and. Did and- it make you want to see more jazz music? or that's not the kind of jazz no you mean. not necessarily i mean honestly i should go see more jazz music i went to school for jazz i haven't done anything like because
0: that. i you know i should have put this on my honorable mentions i saw this brazilian woman roberta saw over at joe's pub this year and was it was with like uncle this, gary yeah with our uncle who loves that kind of music and it blew my mind i was like why don't i see more yeah jazz soul r&b not r&b but, but like really technical incredible jazz music and there's probably so many shows every night in new york is happening anyway we should see more jazz show. no
1: i'm with you we should book one um but yeah this show it made me i need to listen to all their music i, I didn't know for the longest time that dirty projectors was mainly this guy i forgot his name and then there's two of them no there's one guy
0: yeah but one of the main people, Amber Kaufman, she just left the band Because recently. I think they were dating, oh, actually, so. and then there was like, like, a breakup album.
1: So she was one of the females okay. of, from that sound, but he, he got other people to join the band, and they, I mean, I haven't seen any of their older shows, but this sounded to me just, like, so uh, good. Boy. I mean, I I guess there's not much more to say, just their, the set list. I didn't know almost any of the songs, and they all blew me away. They were all just so cool and listening. You know, a lot of them were from... The album that they did with Bjork, um, which Mount Wittenberg. Orca. Yeah, have you listened to that album? I did in the past. I, I couldn't name it's you a song. Though. so cool. Yeah. It's just uh,
0: gotta listen. All right, my second favorite concert of the year was seeing Mount Erie at the Knockdown Center this March in Queens. You died though, so I came here alone with our
2: baby in the dust of-
0: were you into canada geese so mount it's Erie. it sounds like we were ranking before you didn't know them but i think i sent you some of this music because i was getting obsessed with it last year or this year i guess um he's a one-man musical project uh it's a pseudonym of phil elverham who's also done stuff with the microphones uh he's got some other projects um in 2015, his wife, Genevieve, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer like four months after they had a daughter, mm. and she died. Oh, leaving you, you played me some of yeah, this music. Leaving I don't know Phil that. and his year-and-a-half-old daughter. And it's sort of hard to talk about this music, this show in general. So he recorded this album called A Crow Looked At Me. Um, this came out in 2017, where every song every word is about her sickness, her death, the aftermath in the most painstaking detail. It is so painful and depressing and heartbreaking to listen to this album. It's almost not even music. It's, I mean, there is music in it, but it's like this diary. It's him processing his grief on record. It's like this hallucination fever dream of not understanding what happened. It is very hard to listen to, Hmm. but in that I, I felt weird about it, but I became obsessed with it. Like, I, I it's hard to know what to do with that because it feels exploitative to enjoy listening to someone else's grief. Mm-hmm. But it was just so personal and intimate, It's something I, I've never heard of before. Like the closest I can think of is like Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan Stevens or yeah. the song Carissa by Sun Kil Moon. And sort of melodically, it's similar to that. It's a little like spoken word, talky, but with pretty guitars in the background. Anyway. Um, I have to give major thanks to my friend Steve for raving to me about Mount Erie and the concert he'd have seen a few months ago at a different venue. Um, I knew some Mount Erie stuff. I mostly knew the microphone stuff I said earlier. Um, but yeah, I just became troubling, troublingly, morbidly obsessed with this record and I had to see him live. But I was nervous for the show because I didn't know what it would be like. Like a man who just lost his wife, just lost his wife, has like a two-year-old daughter waiting backstage for him, playing these semi-songs for an audience of people paying to see him. Yeah. It is just, it's so heartbreaking. And I just didn't know if I should clap. I didn't know what the audience is gonna be like. Luckily, people did clap, and he sort of addressed it. He's like, it's okay if you clap. Like hmm. People were respectful, and and it was, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. It was honestly transcendent, just sitting and watching this, just a guy and one guitar going through this on stage. I can't, I mean, it must be some sort of therapy for him, because I just came away from the concert overflowing with emotion, and it was just so heartbreaking and so heartwarming at the same time. It was, oh man, he was so grateful, and that was really that's incredible special to see what uh when did you see this show this was in it was early uh, this year yeah okay so he actually came out with a follow-up album didn't make my list this year but it's also very good Hmm. it's called now only so these two albums so he played songs from both those albums at the show
1: so i'm sorry if you already said this but was this the first album he ever came out with
0: no he's tons of albums
1: does the rest of his music sound no, like this? No, it's very experimental and like drony and like sometimes electronic and doomy. The most recent album that came out this year, did that go back to that
0: sound? No, it's the same. It's similar to so these two records, and he actually put out a live album of these two albums, and basically, I think it was in an interview he said he's never going to play these songs again. Like this was it. Wow! So it's um, incredibly special. Wow. I got to see this, yeah. even though I feel a little weird about it. Yeah, but, I mean, it was. My number two, if not my number one show. I mean, it was just it's just a different kind of concert. It's just so you are just watching what he's talking. Oh my god, it's so hard. But anyway, beautiful, depressing music. Listen to a
1: crow looked at me. So my second favorite live show from twenty eighteen was Pine Grove at Music Hall of Williamsburg. I love this band with all my heart. Uh I me too. I Counting Crows has always been my favorite band. Um I don't know. Pinegrove is just right there on the way. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean Pine Pine Grove, that makes me so happy. It's yeah, but, I mean you you introduced Pinegrove uh to and me. And Andy introduced <clears throat> me. I'd He's come that. up 3 times already this month. Maybe <laughs> love you Andy. later. Um yeah, I don't really I'm just grinning giddily right now because I love this band and the show was was amazing. They basically so Pinegrove came out with uh, a new album this year um, in late September, and this show they played the entire new album in full, and then they said, "Okay, we're gonna play Cardinal now," which was their album from 2016, my they, album
0: of the year in 2016, they
1: played that in full oh, man. and then they came back for an encore of four songs. And it was, I mean, talk about a show. I never wanted to end. Um, I saw Pine Grove with you at Music Hall of Williamsburg um, in 2017. Right. I think it was April mm-hmm. 30th, 2017. Wow. good memory. <laughs> I, I know that because I think their audio tree uh, album was from April 30th of 2016. And I'm like, wow, we saw it a year later. Oh, cool. Now every April 30th is Pine Grove Day. <laughs> um, They're just so tight. So, tight, so just, tight. He Okay, Evan Stevens-Hall, lead singer, incredible control over his voice and is always adding new things, singing the harmonies that he would sing or that Nandi uh, Rose Plunkett from... Uh, halfway f- who is also in Pinegrove, harmonies that she would sing he's always changing it up he's always making it slightly more intense or slightly softer right they, something a, on record that's harder he'll make softer and vice versa it's, their it's records cool. are so alive they breathe so well they really they don't sound that's a like testament made to in so, a studio so many of the band members Zach Levine is one of
0: my favorite drummers. One of the right best. Now. Yeah, he's incredible. I think to I watch. said this at the show. The, the band is amazing. Evan is amazing. I don't take my eyes off Zach yeah, the whole show He's because incredible. I'm just so excited for the stuff he plays. Oh My God, him playing recycling, I know, is just it is insane. Worth
1: the price it's alone. Insane. Yeah, um, but. So again, their their records are so live lively, but not in like live and intense. They're just so alive and they sound like they all just recorded dynamic. in a room. Yeah. Exactly. Dynamic and they it's it's ten times as dynamic live from both ends of the spectrum. They will change every single song in different ways to make it more dynamic, <laughs> they, but it's still familiar. It's not like they're warp warp doing left the ti- hooks, yeah. exactly. You know, they'll warp the time. They'll literally like slow down for a second and then speed up. And oh it just it just makes me so happy. Also, because the songs are so good, we haven't even talked about like they're just as a band, Evan as a songwriter, well, we as might, a lyricist. We might be talking about that later, maybe.
0: But but <laughs> the one thing I will say, not to get negative here, the I think the reason this I agree did not with make you. yeah okay. <laughs> the reason this did not make my list is because as incredible as the show was, as tight as everyone was, as the dynamic like we were just talking about, the set list was amazing. What a dream to listen to their two albums in full, back to back, and then a smattering of other things. Nandi was not, there playing with them in the main set it was exciting to see her come back for the encore and she sounded great. Right, they, they brought her out from backstage Which is so disappointing because it's like, if she was there why not just play? I absolutely agree I it, don't get it. It was missing it. her harmony the entire show and sadly I hate saying this but it was distracting the whole time. I was just waiting for yeah. the harmonies to come in and Zach and uh, Nick were both trying but yeah. maybe the mics just weren't loud enough so yeah. I don't know if that was them or the mixer. I'm with
1: you. I, I wonder if it's because, well, first of all, I mean, she, she was backstage because she's engaged to Zach. Right. Um, but I wonder if they weren't using her because this was just like a very small set of shows. Tour. And now they're about to You're embark right. on and their she real tour. you she's sort of separating from the band, at least live, because yeah. she's focusing on her project with Halfwave. Right, so I am assuming the reason they did that was because they wanted to get used to playing live. Without her. Without her, exactly. Fair enough. But... I agree with you. That was my main disappointment. Uh, about so maybe the show. just pump Zach
0: and Nick's mics and get the harmonies down better. But maybe I mean her or... voice is, itself is just missing.
1: But, yeah, yeah, it she's is. on the record. So, she's all over the record. Oh her goodness. harmonies are so good. Yeah, it's, oh, great. it's but... but
0: besides that, I mean, I also grin on my face the whole time. Cardinal was my favorite album of 2016. Yeah, that's one of my favorite albums ever. ever. I did not think they were going to play every... So- I mean, and just hear the whole album yeah.
1: in full. Yes. And recycling is thing. probably... Al- recycling
0: al- might be my favorite Pine Pang- Grove song. That's crazy. So the fact... It was it was just a great show. Their
1: albums are pretty much like around 30 minutes long. Right, so you've got enough time so you to can, do both. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Without question, my number one favorite concert of the year was seeing you two at the Apollo Theater in Harlem. So you 2 have been one of my favorite bands for a long time. Honestly, with the help of another podcast, too. Clearly, Top 5 Disco takes some of its inspiration from you talking U2 to me. Uh, and my fandom sort of grew exponentially over the last few years, especially I've always loved U2. But especially over the last few years, listening to that podcast and have them go through U2. I had never seen U2 live, though. And I think it's the same reason I'd never seen Radiohead live until this year, which is that I just have this fear of seeing these huge bands that I love in huge arenas. Because like I said, I just, I want the intimacy. I want to see these bands in a small venue because it just gets so overblown. And I'm to have any sort of affordable seat, you're so far away. And I don't want to be watching the screens instead of the stage. Anyway, I stupidly missed the last few tours they played, I decided against going to the 30th anniversary Joshua Tree tour. Another mistake I'm really not proud of. I missed the last album tour. Anyway, the story really starts with my friend Tom, a uh, friend of the podcast as well. You might be hearing from him in a later uh, episode. Uh, he's a huge U2 fan also. We bonded big time at a friend's bachelor party when we discovered we loved U2. We were incessantly talking about them, ranking our favorites, the albums. It was, it was a dream. Earlier in the year, I bit the bullet and got a ticket to see you two at the Prudential Center in Newark. Um, it was so insane to try to get tickets. I, like, stopped my car in the middle of the road, in the middle of the highway, pulled aside, had two devices out trying to get tickets. What? I was, like, I had I, to get these tickets. I had no idea. Anyway, I could not get two tickets to this show. Everything was so expensive and behind the stage, so I ended up buying one ticket to Prudential Center. Um Shortly after that, and I was so excited for the show, even though I was going alone, and it was a big, big venue. I was like, I cannot miss them again. Shortly after that, I'd read a news article or something about how you 2 were rumored to play this secret VIP-only, invite-only, serious XM show at the Apollo Theater in Harlem. Okay, U2 sells out Madison Square Garden four nights in a row, which is God knows how many people. Mm-hmm. Tens of thousands? I don't even know. The Apollo Theater is 1,500 people, Okay. Just just the concept of YouTube playing a show this small is kind of mind blowing for you two fans. And honestly, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, well, that sounds super cool. I'm never getting into that. Re-enter Tom, who texts me about the show like a day later and says, I'm gonna try to get tickets to the show. Do you wanna come? And I was like, What? <laughs> he's like, Yeah, we're gonna go. I'm like, you can do that? Apparently, he's done this before with with shows where if invite only shows that are super vip and not available to the public not everyone shows up and so they have all these extra tickets and so there's this concept that he taught me about called the drop line where you basically go way early to the show organize this line of who got there first and when the venue as the show is starting if they have extra tickets that people didn't show they'll come out and give tickets to the people who were there first you've just given away your secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you put your name on a list, et cetera. I got marked. I got, I literally took a half day off work. Hopefully, and none of my colleagues are listening. And I got there like five, six hours before the show and I was still 35. So people were camped out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was so fun just being there. We, there was, By the way, there was no guarantee I was gonna go to the show at all. Obviously, you know the end of the story because it's my number one show. Mm-hmm. But just hanging out all day with the biggest U2 fans in the city, and outside the city who traveled for this, just camping out, swapping stories, such a diverse um, people who some had seen them since the 80s and we're talking about shows from then, the 90s. Now we were, same thing, ranking albums, ranking lists. It was just being with obsessive fans was insane. And there was always the nervousness that we were not going to get in. But if you do get in, it's free. Mm. And it's open bar. And basically, as the story goes, It was never a done deal, but finally they came out. As the show was starting, we were nervous. I think we were hearing a little music. And Tom actually had a higher number than me, and I was like, you know what's gonna happen? Is Tom gonna go and I'm not going to? But he had befriended the guy who was giving out the tickets and working the show. And at some point, as it was getting closer and closer, Tom just looks at me and and points and and brings me up, and he got two tickets. And I was freaking the fuck out. Because (laughs) we're entering this venue... They're telling us it's uh, open bar. I I think I got one drink because I was like, I cannot miss this. I got to see you 2 live for the first time in a 1,500-person venue. This was the dream. This was the only dream. This, This never happens, and I was so lucky and so forever indebted to Tom for teaching me about this, for getting me there, for getting me the tickets. It was free, and it was incredible. I mean, the first song they play is... I will follow their first song ever from 1980. Wow! And then they play, or their first song, on their first record. They play two more songs from the same album. They're literally, pl- the four of them are right in front of me, playing their their post punk punk songs from the early 80s with absolutely no lights, no screens, no no pizzazz. Right, which just they're very guys known for exactly. They're known for the biggest, craziest, most expensive tours and tour setups. This was seeing a punk show in 80s Dublin. It was. It was insane. It was just insane. That four piece who's only been the four of them playing their old stuff. Oh my god. They they also did a good mix of the deep cuts, the hits, new album stuff. The best part of the show though, they came back for an encore and played their song, Angel of Harlem, mm-hmm. in, Harlem. in Harlem. And similar to the Wild Beast show, all of a sudden they start playing and the curtain lifts up and the sunra orchestra is playing behind them. It was insane it was very it's a very horn heavy big band song and it was amazing also was the 30th anniversary of rattle and hum from that album anyway second to last song they played who's gonna run your wild horses which is one of my absolute favorites tom's favorite song ever and then they close with love is bigger than anything in its way one of the new songs which is beautiful it was just i could i can't believe i was at the
1: show i still can't believe it i'm so happy you got into that show because you've also had some very sad (laughs) uh missing concert experiences in your life so this was yeah this this was one in in the opposite jar yeah and
0: i I mean i didn't put you in my list but this is almost i mean the prudential center which i went to of course anyway a month later was also incredible but i'm not gonna focus on that i mean this was just once in a lifetime seeing them with nothing but the four of them rocking out on stage. oh my god that's amazing
1: thank you tom so my number one show absolutely hands down was Radiohead at Madison Square Garden.
2: So...
1: What I thought you were going to say about something I hate about these, you know, huge bands coming to, you know, big arenas was that you're just like, I don't want to drop, you know, 150 bucks to see this band. Is that not the case? I mean, you, you've well, spent said, that before. That spending that much also being that far back. Yeah. Cause, but for Radiohead, we so, actually had great... Right, because, I mean, you and I got these general admission, but it was like... It said like general admission in, like this sort of back section, and even then we were like, okay, whatever, we're going to be on the floor. We're still but see them. It was just GA. It was general admission, and we got there early enough. We were extremely close. It didn't feel like feel exactly. Didn't feel like Madison Square because you couldn't see any of the people, sort of like in the back and in in the in <laughs> Tens the stands. Of of you were just right up there with the band, and. You know, talking in terms of like what I was saying about like I just you know I didn't know if I wanted to exactly I didn't want to spend that much money for you know being very far away and not actually you know hearing the music and whatnot. Uh, I will spend that money any day yep. to see Radiohead again. I in need fact, to see them all the time. If they come back for multiple shows, I'm by text to every show. I know that was exactly I know because
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get the negative. <laughs> Adam already knows the reason this was not on my list is because I made the mistake. Of looking at the other night's set list, which were do. so much better than ours. I,
1: I don't think they were so, so much, much better. better. I'm not going into the songs, but it doesn't matter. Our show was still great. It was so good, and they played so many songs, and they are incredible.
0: Hearing Weird Fishes live,
1: I was gonna say was that was that was I think the best. We're daydreaming, oh my god, the best five minutes of live music I've ever experienced was Weird Fishes at Madison Square Garden. I, it was wow. that was transcendent wow. that yeah. was an insane because I just love that song in general. And they oh, it was everything hearing those guitars come in, just when you hear the beat drop, Tom's voice, it was and oh my they god, they did do a good mix of songs from the other albums, yeah, but some again, weird songs too, yeah, Mixomatosis. See, I just would have swapped that for like the tourist or oh, I'm, I'm, let down. I'm or... with you. They'll they'll be back and we'll yep. be able to see them. But that they was were... I'm really I'm glad I got to uh, see them with you. It was yeah, that was so special. It was they're at the top of their game. Special. I mean, they, they sound amazing. I don't understand. I think they are. I'm not saying they're my favorite band. I think they are just like the best band out there <laughs> wow. right now. I just it's insane that for for all of the sort of '90s bands. Who have come out on top, you mean? Uh, Well, they are constantly, they're evolving. I'm not even saying, like, they're, I mean, they're not, like, extremely popular, you know, in the mainstream in terms of, like, top 40 music, which maybe they were at some point. their
0: last hit
1: would have been Karma Police in 97. Like, there's no... But... They as musicians, as songwriters, they are evolving. I mean, listen to Pablo Honey, and I mean, don't listen, (laughs) but like it's insane just to see they are actually growing and getting better. What I'm saying is that I think there are a lot of bands from the era when they came out that maybe are still around, but the music just doesn't have the same flair. It doesn't really seem like they're getting better or coming up with pushing the envelope exactly. Radiohead is just like, they're just on it. They they're so with it. Also in terms of like the PR for all their stuff, they're just very good at like creating anticipation. Oh, a lot of viral Yeah, they're and just secret like creepy stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of and and uh, it's and it's not just Tom. It's it's the entire band. Johnny Greenwood as well. It's all of them. They're all so good at what they do so incredibly musical it's insane that was show is so
0: good to sort of bring back to to what we were saying before about wanting to see jazz shows i'm just going to add an aside here maybe i told you this when i was studying up in school in rochester um, our friend Alexa, who plays saxophone, mm-hmm. is a great saxophone player. She was in this. I think. I think she was in it. She was either in it or she was associated oh, with I know it. What you're saying. I saw a jazz band play Radiohead songs. Nothing but Radiohead songs, and it blew my mind apart to realize how. Interesting and jazzy and technical and strange.
1: Their music is on its own. Radiohead is very respected in that community. Oh, really? I actually saw a similar thing at uh, University of Miami when I was there. Oh, that's cool. The, the, I was going to suggest we find jazz another band. one of those I'm because. Down. Absolutely. Be so cool. Uh, yeah, they're just, wow, incredible, incredible band. Um, I don't have much else to say. I can't wait for them to come back and I'm going to see them. I'm going to have four computers in front of me. <laughs> see them four nights. Please so yeah so that was uh both my and josh top five respectively live shows from 2018 great music great shows
0: thanks for listening to top five disco
1: part one in our special series a retrospective of our year in music in 2018 Now that we've ranked and discussed our favorite concerts of the year, tune in next week where we rank some of our absolute favorite songs of 2018. But before that, we want to know your favorite concert experiences
0: of 2018. Which shows left the biggest impressions on you? Which shows made you love the artist even more?
1: Who are you hoping to see live in 2019? Reach out and let us know. You can support us and help Top 5 Disco grow simply by subscribing to this podcast so you can get the new episodes as soon as they come out. And you can find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram for behind-the-scenes goodies and an easy way to connect. Also, don't forget to tell your music-loving friends and family all about us. Thank you so much again for listening. Tune in next time. And remember, it's really all disco.